You're listening to the Traffic and Funnel Show. Hey guys, this is Alan, producer of the TNF Show. In today's 300th episode of the show, Taylor talks about the three rules of sales, having influence, and how to create momentum and culture within your teams. If you haven't done so already, visit trafficandfunnels.com slash subscribe to get a free gift from us and also get access to special deals on our next level paid products. All right, let's get to it. Let's go. Hey, what I want to talk to you about today and and, uh, Chad, thanks for letting me on here, man. I want to talk about sales and sales culture. I've learned, I've learned from being in the marketing world that information is good, but application is better. We've got a, a culture of of marketers who are like, man, we'll consume, consume, consume. But the goal of my training today, the purpose of me being here today is so that there is a before Taylor Welch sales and sales culture, and there's an after Taylor Welch and sales culture. There's a before, there's an after, because the goal of this is to move your life forward. Real quick, if you do not know who I am, uh, you've been under a rock somewhere, that's totally fine. Let me catch you up to speed real fast. My name is Taylor Welch. I'm a grassroots guy. I grew up wanting to be a preacher. Got uh, on staff at a church in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, I decided that I liked money and I wanted to be able to provide. And how many of you, let me ask you this. How many of you have gotten something in your life that you always wanted, then you get it and you realize you didn't want it? Maybe I'm the only one. But this happened to me. I got my dream job and I, I realized that I had been chasing my entire life to achieve something that wasn't actually what I wanted to achieve. And so I ended up learning marketing and getting into the marketing world because my wife, she was like, Taylor, teach me how to get more clients. So like, babe, I don't know how to get more clients, but for you, I'll figure it out because you got that kind of influence. And so anyways, I started studying marketing while I was on staff at a church in Memphis, Tennessee. And listen, I spent the first 15 months copying out sales letters by hand uh, with these notebooks, almost gave myself carpal tunnel. I put in the work and I got really good, but I, I remember being on my first sales call with an individual, it was a guy named Gary, and I was in my second bedroom in a $750 per month apartment in Memphis, Tennessee. And I'm on the phone with Gary and I'm telling him I can change your life, Gary. I can help you write better copy. I can, I can do X, Y, Z. And he says, I'm in, let's go. And I said, great, Gary, I'll call you tomorrow. He said, well, I don't, I don't need you to call me tomorrow. I'm in, I'm sold. Let's go. I said, oh, cool. I'll call you tomorrow. I didn't know how to take his card. I didn't know how to take his money. This was the first time I had ever been able to collect money on the phone. This is the first time I ever had a sales call. This is in 2000, the end of 2014, now the middle to end of 2014. And Gary was kind enough to teach me on that phone call how to take a PayPal account and take his money over the phone. Uh, little did I know that uh, I had a gift and the first year in business, we did seven figures. Third year in business, we did eight figures. Today, we have three eight-figure companies and a new seven-figure company that's getting started. Why am I saying all of this? And I'm, I'm qualifying myself because in the marketing world, there's a reason that I'm just now hitting the marketing scene in terms of a speaker. It's because I looked at the speakers in the marketing world. And I'm like, I would rather do than talk. And I have done the work. And now I am here to teach you a little bit about salesmanship, about culture, 
And I'm going to take you through these four things, team, culture, comp, and tactics. Let me ask you a question real fast. Um, how many of you would like to sell more product and earn more revenue in your business? Some people uh, are not going to want this. Some people are going to enjoy mediocrity and living where they are right now. It takes a little bit of drive and a little bit of hustle. Everybody uh, is not accurate, but most of you, I would say that's true. Now, let me ask you a second question. How many of you would like your business to sell more product and earn more revenue without you? That's the holy grail. Now, first, I'm going to teach you a little bit about how to increase your salesmanship. But then I want to teach you, if you're an agency owner, the ideal goal for you is for your agency to be growing while you are not having to be on the phones, not having to be involved. I see entrepreneurs today and that they post about waking up earlier and waking up at four in the morning and going, going, going. And I'm like, man, that might be good for you, but I make more money than you and I work less than you. And I want to teach you that if that's okay. If that's okay. If I have your permission, I'd like to teach you how to expand while at the same time creating balance in your worlds so that you know you can maybe one day have a family or maybe one day you can actually go on a vacation here or there. And uh, that's what I want to teach you about today. And, and somebody's saying automated systems. Automated systems are great. And I'm sure knowing Chad that you know he's got some people that are going to be teaching you that today. But I want to dive into the sales into the culture of a sales team. So I'm going to dive in. What I'm going to ask from you is if you hear something or see something that's like, man, that, that is good. That is motivating. Just go ahead and throw it in the chat because like I said, I'm a high maintenance individual and uh, I believe that engagement is the key to retention. Engagement is the key to increasing your application. Okay. Here's the, here's the key. Here's the key. We live in an anti-sales era, but the truth is the best way to help people right now is to sell them things that they need. So I'm going to give you a couple of our philosophies, a few of our methodologies. Every single person who picks up the phone here at Traffic and Funnels, every time they pick up the phone, they generate about $3,500 in revenue for the company. That's an aggregate average. We have 15 people who are picking up the phone a lot. I'm not going to give you our exact revenue numbers because uh, it shouldn't matter. But let me just tell you that me investing 45 minutes of my time here today is the equivalent to about $55,000 in sales if invested into my business. So Chad, go ahead and use that on the sales page when you were selling these recordings, stack up that value. Um, and the reason for it is because I believe that when you have a good product, the most ethical thing in the greatest contribution you can make to the world is selling people things that they need to have to move their life forward. So here are the three rules of sales and I'm going to redesign. If you're okay with it, I'm going to redesign the way that you mentally think about sales and influence and uh, creating momentum in your business. Rule number one, I had a guy named Mike. I was walking around the gym two years ago when I discovered this and he, he was having a, he was going through a rut. If you've ever been through a rut, <laughs> then you are, you're part of the club. Welcome to the cool club. It's like, you, you know, every time you pick up the phone, it's like, I just don't know what's wrong with me, but people are not buying or they say they're interested, but then they don't. And I was talking Mike through this rut that he was having. And, and I, I, I discovered these rules in sales that I was able to transfer to him. And rule number one is your job is to help the prospect make the best decision for them. Now, if you want some secret, secret tactics, I'm not going to give you any, any of those today. I'm not going to give you the secret tactics like, man, when a prospect says this, you say this, because 
but if you spend your time learning tactics, you'll go broke in, because tactics are going to change in 48 hours. But I'm going to give you the strategy, the philosophy. Rule number one, your job is to help the prospect make the best decision for them. Now, here's the problem with rule number one is what if buying services from your agency is not the best decision for them? What do you do? If it's not the best decision, ultimately, you have to be honest and you have to move them into something that is the best decision for them. So this will elevate you out of a place of salesman, saleswoman to the place of leadership. Now, second rule of sales, what is best for them is almost always outside of their comfort zone. Why? Why is this truth? If it was inside of their comfort zone, they likely would have already done it. And if they'd already done it, then they likely wouldn't be on the phone with you needing help. Because oftentimes, progress equals discomfort. So I'm just going to spill the beans on this. I'm about to set you up. This is a bit of a dichotomy we're creating here. Number one, you got to help the prospect make the best decision for them. Rule number two, what is best for them is almost always outside of their comfort zone. And rule number three is that the prospect will fight like hell to stay inside of their comfort zone. Here, my friends, is the dichotomy. To truly help people, you must master the art of helping them navigate through the things they do not want to do so that they can have the things that they've always wanted to have. But this is the dichotomy in sales. You've got to teach your team that the best way for you to help your market is often going to be helping push them through uncomfortable circumstances so that they can get to the gold, they can get to the goodies on the other side. There's always two versions of an individual. Every single person in the chat right now, there are two versions of you. Let's just go metaphysical for a minute because uh, sales can be very philosophical. And so let me, let's print this into your DNA. There's two versions of a human. There is the version one, which is who you are today. It's where you are today. How much money do you make today? What are your assets today? Yesterday, I spent two hours with a couple hundred clients teaching them net worth building for entrepreneurs. My net worth right now is growing passively at about $1.2 million per month. People are like, Taylor, how do you do that? And I'm like, let me teach you. So we spent two hours talking about it. There's a current version of who you are with your current net worth, with your current assets, your current income, your current skill sets. And then there's a future version of who you are, which is who do I want to be? What do I want to have? How do I want to make decisions? What cars do I drive? What assets do I have? Where's my money invested? What, is, what about my family? What kind of dad am I going to be? Where do I want to head into the future? There's two versions. And as a sales professional, what you have to do is you have to identify the future version of an individual. And you have to have the ability to say, Stacy, I'm going to partner with the future version of you. And that means I might have to go to war a little bit with the current version of you. This is a lot better than what I'm seeing from you guys in the chat. This is like groundbreaking. I don't know anyone in the marketing space who's teaching this because sometimes if you're not careful, you'll become addicted to the tactics, but you won't understand the spirit of really being able to influence people. Your real job, if you're going to master sales, is to really get into the identity and the future version of someone. And 
it may feel like somebody is coming to you because you you run an agency that that runs traffic for people and and they need more ads. And so they're like, man, Joe, teach me how to help us get more ads, help us get more clicks, help. But no, 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 no. What you're actually tapping into is that owner that is wanting you to run ads for them is really trying to figure out how to be a better dad. And he's spending too much time on his business. And you're able to really come in and remove that burden from him to grow his business so that he can be a better dad at home or a better mom at home. It's a lot bigger. It's a lot bigger. What you're selling is not actually what you're selling. And you have to have the presence to dive into that. Let me give you a, another dichotomy. There are two reasons that people buy. And then we're going to get into some team stuff. And uh, I don't know how much time I have. But Chad, if you haven't noticed, I could probably go for six hours or 30 minutes, whatever. You guys just keep me on the straight and narrow. Two reasons people buy. And then I'm going to trick you. And I'm going to change it to three reasons later. Because there's two reasons people buy and a bonus. Number one, they feel compelled to a better future in some area of their life. Hopefully in an area that you're qualified to help them fix. Nobody's going to buy anything if they don't have some compulsion to create momentum in some area of their life they're not going to buy from you if they don't if they don't believe that they can have more money or they don't believe that they can have uh, a better fitness life they don't believe they can have a better relation they're not going to buy just stop they're not going to buy anything from you if they don't have some area that they want to move forward this is why your marketing is so important because oftentimes what your marketing is designed to do is to show somebody is to open up the runway for them so that they know that they can move something forward. Number two, they feel that staying stuck is more costly or risky than moving forward. They feel that staying stuck where they are right now is more costly than moving forward. How many of you have been on a sales call and somebody's like, well, what if it doesn't work out? So let me see a, a temp check. How many of you have been on a sales call and you're like, man, this person wants it. I know that they want to buy, but they're worried about what if it doesn't work? Are you guys okay? This is a good pace. Speed up, slow down. Any feedback? You got you all good? Cool. Here's the reason that people do that. The reason that people get into this mode where they are worried that if it doesn't work out, they don't want to buy is actually because you have not properly anchored the risk of staying stuck. Okay. People only want to look at the risk of moving forward, but they don't want to look at the risk of, well, what if I don't change anything? Uh, throw your monthly revenue in the chat real fast. If you're comfortable with that, if you're not, don't feel pressured. I just want to see a temp of the monthly uh, revenue right now of, of whoever's on here. 8K, 12K, 26K, 7K, 12, 100K. Oh, is that who I think it is? 1,300, 15, okay, 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 okay. So listen to this, listen to this. JR does 100K. If he has the potential right now to flip a switch and do 600K, and he's currently at 100K, what is the opportunity cost? What is the risk of him not doing 600? What's that cost him in opportunity over the course of 12 months? 500K a month. To the person who is struggling with this chronic health issue and they don't know how to fix it and if they don't get it fixed, it's going to shave 10 years off their life expectancy. What is the risk of them not getting it fixed? 
dying, literally dying. Here's the here's the dichotomy in this sales environment today is that you can't just provide opportunity. You have to provide clarity on the cost if you want people to actually mobilize into making a decision. So every day we we probably have two or three hundred uh, calls that come into our offices just in Nashville, and I can tell you with certainty that there are probably 50% or more of those people that they are not going to buy something simply because there's an opportunity in front of them. They are going to buy something because they have been properly informed of the risks of not buying. And when's the last time you've been taught how to properly anchor the risks of not buying? When's the last time you've been on a phone call and you have you know, examined and communicated to the prospect the risks of not not the risks of doing something and it doesn't work out, but the risks of staying stuck. Tim Osborne says, "Give us an example of how that would play out on a call in real time." Well, Tim, based on your question, I don't know where you are or what you do or anything like that, so it's going to be difficult for me to give you a role play. But what if you tried? Your goal is sixty k a month. You're at twenty five. What have you tried in the past to get that fixed? And how long have you done it? Tim's a pastor. Look at that providence right here. What's what have you tried in the past to get this fixed? Has it worked? And what's the likelihood of all of a sudden you're you're doing the same thing that you've always been doing forever and ever and ever, and then light bulb moment, something changes in the universe, and all of a sudden you just figure it out. What are the chances of that? Scale of one to ten. Come on, Tim. I'm with you. What are the chances? Let me say two out of ten or four out of ten or whatever. Okay, that's fine. So I'm going to say zero, but people are usually going to be like two or five or four or somewhere in that. But then let me ask you this, Tim. What, what are the chances if you get connected up with a proven methodology, with a proven machine and a proven team with thousands and thousands and thousands of case studies, what are the chances then that you're able to solve this problem for you that we've solved for a thousand other people? What are the chances, scale of one to ten? It may say it's an eight. Or a seven. Okay, well, Tim, look at this. Let me back up. Your job is not to get to 100%. Your job is to assess the risk and choose the least risky of the two. One gives you an eight out of 10 chance of failure. The other gives you a three out of 10 chance of failure. Which are you going to pick? There we go. We've anchored the cost of not getting the help needed through the odds of doing it alone versus doing it with help. Um, there was $100,000 in free training for you right there just because Tim's a pastor and I'm feeling generous. You are welcome. And here's the third thing. It's not enough for someone to feel compelled to move forward. It's not enough for them to feel that staying stuck is costly. The third thing is they have to believe that you are the correct person to help them advance from current to future. You got to spend some time here. Uh, there's a reason that if you've ever seen me present on sales before, you know I hate rapport. Like, hate it. I'm like, rapport is so stupid. Like, nobody's going to buy from me because, uh, you know, we went to Nixa High School together and we're both eagles. That's stupid. Rapport is something that came out of the 80s, in the 90s, in the, you know, the, so the, the 50s and 60s in sales were really an era of products. Whoever could explain the product the best was going to win. This is the old school copywriters, the people who have, who have created the methodology that 
modern direct response marketing built on today. It's 50s and 60s. Some of y'all are saying I love report and I'm about to vomit because uh, I'm right. Promise. Now I'm not, just listen to me. The 50s and 60s were about product. The, the 80s and 90s were really about opportunity. Opportunity. It isn't when your stock letters started getting big, um, stock pickers and, and how to get rich. Those biz op opportunities came up with the 80s and 90s. And a lot of the opportunity market trained that you need to develop rapport with your prospects because the more rapport you have, the easier you can scam them. Oops. Because somebody, if they believe that we went to the same high school, they're more likely for us to do business together, even if the business itself cannot, doesn't have the merit to sell them. Okay. Anyways, the early 2000s, we went into this problem era where your big consultancies really started gaining momentum and gaining ground. And if I could get on the phone with Chad and explain to Chad the problems he's having, better than he can explain the problems he's having, he's gonna hire me to fix them. Even though being able to describe the problem and being able to solve the problem are two very, very different things. Today, we're in a era of leadership. And some of the biggest sales trainers that I know in the world have made it through our organization and you know this idea of, of leadership. We had a team in on Monday and Tuesday and they are, uh, you know, the partner with Tony Robbins, who's like, obviously everybody knows who that is. And they were here learning our sales organization, our sales methodology, how we build culture. It wasn't Eli, but Eli is fantastic. Um, you gotta have the ability to create leadership. And this third pillar right here is all about leadership. Being able to communicate that the correct person to help them through this problem is you and what you're doing. Yo, what's up crew, Taylor Welch here. And if you're a fan of this show and you wanna get a little bit deeper in your commitment to your business and your growth and your revenue, head over to trafficandfunnels.com slash subscribe. As a subscriber, you're gonna get a free gift from us just to help you grow your business. And it's our way of saying thank you for joining the family. Our exclusive offers and deals usually show up to this subscriber community as well. So you'll get first dibs access on anything new, anything exciting. And most of the time that means profitability for you. Visit trafficandfunnels.com slash subscribe. I'll see you on the inside, my friends. What's up guys? If you're smart, you know that your time is the most valuable asset you have. It's funny, we have thousands of clients all over the world and most of them spend their time before getting to us wasting it on free training after free training after free training, learning from people who have never actually gotten the results they want in their life in the first place. So here's what I know is true about you. One, if you want to build a successful client business, then I know number two, you're likely using your time the wrong way. You probably feel like you work a lot. Maybe you feel a little burned out. Maybe you feel like you're not earning the amount of income that is equal to the amount of effort you're putting in. And number three, I know that if someone could show you a way to work less and earn more, you'd probably take it. But if that way was free, you'd probably take it in a heartbeat. So I've got a training for you, it's about an hour. If you can invest an hour of your time, I could save you the next four years of toil, figuring out how to do it right. Get more clients, get better clients, earn more per client and ultimately have control over your business, maybe for the first time in your life. I've done it for myself and we've done it for about 5,000 other clients as well. Check out this free training. It will cost you nothing except for being poor.
it'll cost you being poor. You have to trade being poor for being rich. Anyways, this is a joke. Just hop in. Let's see you inside. Visit trafficandfunnels.com slash holy grail. That's trafficandfunnels.com slash holy grail. So here's another framework for you, and then we'll flip into team and, and um, you know, it, you guys keep the chat heavy. The goal is to position and frame the prospect in such a way that, number one, they feel like they can do it, and they feel like now is the best time to do it. Do it means act. Do it means make a decision. Do it means just jump. Do it means I am moving forward on this call because this is the right thing to do. And to do that, you have to believe that you have the ability to make it work. That's number one. You got They've got to be framed up in such a way that they're like, what you've told me, I believe it. I believe that I can do it. And I believe that now is the right time to do it. But dichotomy time, wah, wah, wah. Let's bring tension into the middle of this framework. They also have to believe that they cannot do it by themselves. The Chad goes, man, I believe I can make this happen. I believe I can do this. Uh, but... I don't know if I can do it by myself. I don't know if I can do it without the, I don't know if I can do it as risk-free as I can do it by signing up for your agency or signing up for your software. I believe that I can do it, but I don't, I don't know if I can do it as quickly as I can by doing it with you. All of sales, I'd like to propose to you, all of sales is this tension in the middle. This is just kind of the tip of the iceberg getting into some philosophies and frameworks but I really want to teach you how to replace yourself from a team capacity because um, I've, I spend probably five hours a month inside of Traffic and Funnels. And it's ironic because Traffic and Funnels is what we're known for. But I spend most of my time in other businesses. And what the amazing thing is, is my team has replaced me in large capacity inside of Traffic and Funnels. And I think that that'd be valuable for me to teach you how to do the same thing in your agency, where maybe you're doing 12K a month now and you're working really hard. But six months from now, I'd like to see you do 30K a month, but you're not working very hard. So let's talk about some team, okay? Number one, do you have the right people on the bus? Number two, are the right people in the right seats? Nothing is as damaging for you as leaving the wrong person on the team. Now, you may have heard this before, but let me just tell you. There's nothing that will hurt your business as much as leaving the wrong person on your team. And if you're like, man, Taylor, I don't even know how to find a sale. I don't even, I don't have a salesperson. I don't even know where to look to find a salesperson. There are organizations that you can go to. We run one of those, Sales Mentor, the salesmentor.com, where we actually train up and staff salespeople into agencies and consultancies and organizations that use the internet. And, um, that's something that potentially we can talk about offline. But if you are struggling with this ability to cultivate a team, you first have to ask yourself these questions. First, are the right people on the bus? Should they even be here? Uh, and are they in the right seats? Jeremy says, I'm the only one on the bus. That's, that, that's what you call a capital R risk. Capital R risk, R-I-S-K. A capital R risk. Because if the entirety of your business rests and falls on you, then you're in trouble. Chuck says, how about telling us to get leads from the internet? Google.com, my friends, is a great place for you to learn to do that. But the last time that I've gone to the internet to get leads is like 2016 because I built the team. So I'd like to teach you first and foremost how to think and then 
there's probably people better equipped than me to teach you how to get leads on the internet. Number one, is my team hungry? Number two, does my team have ego? Does my team have ego? And you want them to have ego. I'll come back to that. So over people's heads right now, let me come back to it in a second. Is your team resilient? Do they have the ability to handle pressure? And can they deal with competition? Are they competitive in nature? The reason you want your team to have a little bit of ego is because at the end of the day, producers are always going to be the types of people that you need to be able to throw into the jungle and leave them alone for six months. And then can they kill their own food? They've like built tents, built fires. It's like this intense environment. And we cultivate these environments for our producers where, at, where they can go into the organization, they can pick off the week <laughs> and they can climb to the top of the food chain. And you want to create the environment where you allow your producers to have a little bit of ego attached to their name and they will ultimately outperform the ones who don't. And uh, Chad, you just let me know, bro, because um, if we want to go back to the frameworks, we can go back into the frameworks if, if that's more applicable um, than the sales and the sales culture. Um, it depends on who has teams. Like if you guys have a team, I think this is going to be the most valuable thing you got right here. Um, if you don't have any team, if most of the people here don't have any team, then we can kind of talk into just how to be a better producer. How many of you know culture is one of the most important pieces of you building a business that doesn't rely on you? Culture. Everybody wants to say that culture is something I'll build later when I have a team, but culture is something you build now, even if you're the only person on the bus. Did you know that you have a culture within your own company, even if you're the only one employed by your company? Just because you don't have any employees right now does not absolve you from the right to, or the responsibility to build a healthy culture. The number one is their accountability. Can your sales team hide? Or is there constant exposure? I'm going to show you in a second. Every single person on our sales team has, uh, has to do these end-of-day reviews. And they're fantastic. I mean, they are fantastic. Because they remove a producer's ability to hide. They, they remove the person's ability. And some of, some of you on this, on this call do a couple hundred grand a month. And you need this more than anybody else. Uh, because you've got team coming in already and you haven't figured out how to keep salespeople staffed. You haven't figured out how to properly motivate salespeople and you've lost your team and you're like, well, maybe I'm just, maybe this isn't, isn't the way to do it. And I'll, this is the secret. The culture that you build is the secret to being able to keep your people hungry, performing well, and held accountable. Do you hold the team to high standards? Let me ask you a question. On a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your current business performance? 10 being amazing, one being, ah, sucks. Now, let me, let me show you, let me show you the differences in standards between you and me. Some of you on here, you got it. You're like, I'm a two. <laughs> that man, props for honesty. Um, my companies will do $70 million next year and I'd rate everything around a six right now. If you rated yourself higher than I did, but you're, at an operating leverage lower than I am, then that's a standards issue, bro. That's not a marketing issue. No, no amount of new leads is gonna fix that for you. That's a standards issue. And your standards ultimately are what's going to drive the performance of the people underneath you. Because everybody that you bring onto your team, they are going to look at you, copy you, and then you have a problem with them, but they're a carbon copy of you 
How about you buy a mirror? Your standards are going to be one of the most important factors of your culture. So when you see the end of day review, we have our, our closers and our advisors and our, all of our sales team, we rate them, they have them rate themselves. And so I can see this person made $0 for the company today, $0 for the company yesterday, $0 uh, dollars for the company the day before, and they're rating themselves a nine. Something's wrong with that person. Accountability, exposure, bringing it straight to the front. Now, as a leader, how much easier do you think it is for me to manage the team if they are filling out these standards and I'm not having to go chase them? It's a lot easier, isn't it? Now you're starting to understand like how you can put six hours a month into your business and it do the revenue that we do. It's because the culture is built up for us. Here's another one. Do they own and participate in the wins of the company? So these, uh, these partners came in, corporate clients came in Monday, Tuesday. Uh, they got me on the phone a couple of weeks ago. They're like, dude, teach us how you build your teams. I'm like, I can't do it. You're going to have to come see it. One of the biggest names in internet marketing just contracted us out about two months ago to build their sales team. And um, I brought him into, uh, I brought this, this corporate client into Nashville and I was like, I've got to show you, you've got to feel it. It's culture. And they came in on Monday and I took them to lunch because I wasn't in any of the meetings that they were in their smiles was like how this is incredible. And, it, and one of their biggest takeaways was every morning when we have our sales meetings, we first and foremost celebrate the wins of our clientele. And he's like, you can feel it. It's like electricity. It's like a buzz. Here's the thing as a business owner, your first temptation is to take credit for all the client wins. If you want to build a team that can replace you, your first job in culture is to push down the wins of your clients, the wins of your team to your producers, rather than hanging on to all of that feedback and credit yourself. Because I know when I first started, I wanted people to know my name. Now I want people to know Peyton's name. Now I want people to know Anthony's name or Ben's name or Jake's name. You've got to decentralize the celebration in your team. And that is where good culture comes from. We write that down. Decentralize the celebration. Let people take ownership of the good things. And then it also gives you permission to make them take ownership of the bad things. Last point here, a great player in a bad culture will either fix the culture or they will leave. You're going to have to get this nailed down before you are able to build a great team. Okay. So end of day review standards got 15 minutes left. So I'm going to blow through the rest of this response and engagement, uh, coaching inside and celebratory. We already talked about that. Take a screenshot of this real fast. Uh, me and my buddy, Eli, uh, if you know, Eli, he's, uh, he's awesome. Let's put it that way. He's this studly good looking individual who, uh, was one of the top producers for Tony Robbins. And I'm still trying to get him to move to Nashville. And you know, I don't know where he's at. He's in Florida or something. And one of the things we first talked about when we started doing some work together was just the reviews process. And I had this review already built out and he showed me some of his. And so we tweaked it and whatever. And I got to tell you this end of day review, you should screenshot it. And if you don't have a team, you should fill this thing out yourself every single day. Obviously you put the revenue, you put the total collected, you put the consults and notes, the activities, but then here's where the magic happens. You have ratings and reviews. I controlled my calendar and activity today. Yes or no? Scale of one to 10. I did what I said I was going to do today and honored my promises to myself. One to 10. I spent time doing my morning formula and I nailed my morning routines. I operated at the peak of my abilities and am satisfied with my performance. I protected my biology. 
Why is biology important in the game of sales? Because if you have a, a fight between your biology and your psychology, your biology will win every single time. It does not matter how much content you have taken for mindset. It doesn't matter how good your mindset is. If you don't sleep, you don't eat, you don't have enough water, you don't go out and get sunlight, you will die because your biology, first and foremost, controls your psychology. So we push all of our team to take care of themselves. You want to go... You want to go to the gym, you want to be here, you're going to have to take care of yourself because if you don't, someone else is going to beat you. And it's not because they're smarter than you. It's because they're drinking more water. It's simple. Simple is not always easy. So, so this is a great slide for you to copy, duplicate, fill out yourself. Uh, comp, we'll, we'll breeze through this quickly because it doesn't look like uh, a lot of people have teams, but we pay our salespeople really, really really well, really well. I'm not a fan of base pay for salespeople. I'm just not a fan. Other people might do it. That's fine. Uh, I want them to have the ability to produce and eat what they kill. I don't want them capped ever. And we've built uh, comp plans to gamify the system. Now, if you're okay with it, I'd like to give you what other, there's, there are clients that have paid us 60 to $100,000 for the slide I'm about to share with you. Can I give you a little bit of extra something, something, a little bit of, of special stuff you didn't have to pay for just because I know Chad, Chad's my boy. Can I just give you something extra if you're cool with it? Like, man, no, this is too much value. I want to pay for it. PayPal me later. I'm going to give you this and I want you to screenshot this comp plan that this is what we built out for a lot of corporate clients in regards to comp. Let me work through it really fast. Don't get overwhelmed. Number one, it, we pay about eight to 10% on our teams, eight to 10%. They're getting a lot of money per closed deal. We have bonuses because how many of you know, it's a lot funner to play well if you get, if you're playing a game, I'd rather play a game than go to work personally, because if I can put games inside of my work, then it's a lot more fun. So you gamify it with your bonus and then you constrict what you pay people. I, this is too much value. Like I'm just giving you guys the farm because I have enough money and I don't really care, but welcome to the byproduct of me having enough. And I just want to share with you because this is some next level seriously that has taken us a really, really long time to figure out. If they're within their KPIs and they get bonuses, if they are outside of their KPIs, they don't get bonuses. This is called constraints. If you study business, by the way, I was complaining. This is why, this is why it's hard for me to talk about marketing sometimes because I haven't done marketing in two years. I've become a capital allocation guy. We have about 22 houses we'll buy this month. Like we're in the real estate world. I'm in the sales consulting world. We're all over the place. We're picking up a bookkeeping company in Melbourne, Australia. Um, it's difficult for me to just talk about marketing because I don't do a lot of marketing anymore. I've done business and capital allocation and this is capital allocation. They call it constraints in the cap capital allocation world. And what this turns into is you are going to incentivize your agents and your team to play the game the way you want them to play. Can you explain in detail if possible? Uh, yeah, so you know you got the bonuses, you got the KPIs, and then you've got the math over here. So if an agent one generates $1.6 million uh, in the year, which is $140,000 for the month, two full, uh, four full, full pays, eight two pays, three or two three pays, this math is done based on the bonuses over here. So you just gotta 
you got to do this. This is a great question. Paul says, how do you stop your high performers from being poached? I expect my high performers uh, to be courted and poached. If they don't, if people are not trying to hire my sales team, I don't think my sales team is doing a good enough job. So I just expect it to happen. Uh, people are going to try to take my team all the time. All the time. And if nobody's trying to take anybody on my team, then frankly, I mean, my team's not that special anyways. So I want people to be like, oh my God, this team, these teams are doing. But we built Sales Mentor. We have so many people coming in. We have a couple thousand people a month that raise their hand wanting to be trained and work for us. Um, that's why we kind of turned on the staffing stuff. But I think the only way to retain top talent is you have culture. Uh, if you come into our organization in TF and you try to take somebody, the likelihood of you getting them is slim to none because they have a culture here. This is not Traffic and Funnels comp sheet, by the way. This is a different company. Traffic and Funnels, like we make houses available to our agents, like investment properties. That's one of the benefits and the perks of having multiple companies. You come in, you perform for me, you perform for our team. And uh, man, I'm going to soup you up with passive income over the next 10 years. How about that for a bonus? Uh, tactics. I don't have a lot of time to go through this, but is the script right? Are they regulating? Are they staying healthy? Do they have follow-up systems? Are the nuances being trained on? Okay. Uh, you want to make sure that you are, I had a realization, I've got four minutes left, but I had a realization a while back that we were having these meetings for sales meetings and we were talking about numbers. And I was like, if you go to a college practice, if you look at Nick Saban, I think Nick Saban uh, is the greatest college football coach alive who's active, you go to his practice and you see the whole team sitting around singing Kumbaya, talking about numbers. You're gonna be like, what the hell is he doing, man? What's, what's going on here? Oh, you go to a Nick Saban practice and what do you see? You see football players tackling each other. You see people scrimmaging, throwing the ball. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're doing our sales meetings wrong. We're not scrimmaging in our sales meetings. We're just talking about numbers. And so we changed, this is about two years ago, to doing role play and training and scrimmaging and pretending and practicing all of these things. And our closers got better and better and better and better and better. So to, to where now you come into our organization now and you get like three, four months of training, you become the best in the world because all of a sudden you're the quarterback who spends an hour a day just throwing practices or throwing footballs over and over. And over. And so you want to build routines in your organization so that you can constantly train on the tactics. You can constantly train on the nuances. You can role play daily. Somebody can show up and say, I had this objection. Uh, you know, Jeremy, how would you handle this objection? And Jeremy says, well, let's role play. Let's go through it real fast. Thanks for listening. For more from Chris and Taylor, visit trafficandfunnels.com and get a free gift just for being a subscriber. That's trafficandfunnels.com.